Well, praise the Lord. Appreciate that good song tonight. And appreciate appreciate the Lord and, and providing for us a way. Amen. In fact, we're going to talk a little bit about that tonight. Turn with me, if you would, to Zechariah chapter 13. 13th chapter of Zechariah as we're winding our way through this book. In fact, um, I don't know if we'll get through the whole chapter next, uh, chapter 14 all in one go, but um, we're hoping to get through chapter 13 t- today, and um, we're almost done with Zechariah. This, uh, I guess it would be this afternoon, it, uh, I think I let you out just a little afternoon, but uh, the, I received a text after the morning service from Africa. And uh, Brother West wanted to let us know how much he appreciated the service this morning, being able to listen to it. And before the service tonight, I received a message from New York, and uh, they can't have church due to the weather there, there's ice and so forth, and they were going to be listening in on the service tonight. And so I just want to let you know that live streaming is, is valuable, is valuable. And uh, we get to be a blessing to uh, congregations who don't have a pastor or can't have church because of weather. We get to be a blessing to our missionaries, and that's just, it makes it worth it. And so we appreciate Chase and all that he does back there at the sound booth. He does a lot of work back there, uh, keeping our website up and so forth. And, and this wouldn't be possible without Chase and uh, Brother Rocky fills in, and um, Brother Brandon uh, helps uh, when, when we're missing uh, both of them, and so um, I'm just, I just want to express my appreciation to them who, who put in the effort that way, but also to you who give to make it possible for us to be able to, to uh, be a blessing to those that we don't see, those that we don't see, so um, trusting that the Lord will help and be a uh, the message to go forward. I get messages uh, different times. I get, uh, I've gotten messages from Pennsylvania about the services, different places. So um, who thought little Altamont, Kansas would, would be reaching around the world? Jesus said, go in, ye into all the world, and, and we get to do that electronically. So it's wonderful. Zechariah chapter 13, I invite you to stand with me for the reading of God's Word. Just nine verses in this little chapter. I suppose most of you will have heard of the first verse before. You maybe didn't recognize its location, but you've probably heard this verse before. Zechariah 13, And in that day there shall be a fountain opened to the house of David and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem for sin and uncleanness. And it shall come to pass in that day, saith the Lord of hosts, I will cut off the names of the idols out of the land, and they shall no more be remembered. And also I will cause the prophets and the unclean spirit to pass out of the land. And it shall come to pass that when any shall yet prophesy, then his father and his mother that begat him shall say unto him, Thou shalt not live, for thou speakest lies in the name of the Lord. And his father and mother that begat him shall thrust him through when he prophesieth. 
And it shall come to pass in that day that the prophet shall be ashamed every one of his vision when he hath prophesied. Neither shall they wear a rough garment to deceive. But he shall say, I am no prophet. I am an husbandman. For man taught me to keep cattle from my youth. And one shall say unto him, What are these wounds in thine hands? Then he shall answer, Those are which watch I was wounded in the house of my friends. Awake, O sword, against my shepherd, and against the man that is my fellow, and that the Lord of hosts might the shepherd, and the sheep shall be scattered, and I will turn mine hand upon the little ones. And it shall come to pass that in all the land, saith the Lord, two parts there shall be cut off and die, but the third shall be left therein. And I shall bring the third part through the fire, and refine them as silver is refined, and try them as gold is tried. And they shall call on my name, and I will hear them, and I will say, It is my people. They shall say, The Lord is my God. Father, what, a, what an incredible passage of Scripture. What incredible promises. And we just ask this evening that you'd help us tonight to rightly divide the word of truth. May you be glorified and honored in it. We ask these things in your precious name. Amen. You may be seated. Last week we talked about that in chapter 12 that there was a revival coming. And now Zechariah has, has progressed to the place that he wants to describe for us what revival looks like. You know, I, I wonder sometimes if we know what revival is. I wonder if we can recognize what revival is. If it would even uh, show up. If we would even be able to know, hey, we're having revival. We've gotten to the place now that we think a, a series of services, Tuesday through Sunday typically, is revival. And we call it revival. And it's really a shame that we did that. It was hope. I think that when they originally named the, the series of services, it was hope that revival would come. Maybe even expected revival would come. But now we've gotten to the place where we can have a, a set of ser services year after year, spring and fall, and, and never experience revival. And I'm, my concern is, is that there's a generation that's coming that won't even know what revival is, if ever it should break out. I think that perhaps there'd be some that would see revival and say, what is this thing? We've heard stories about some of this, but we've never seen it with our eyes. I, I think what a tragedy that would have to be. And so Zechariah, preaching to the people, wants them to understand and to recognize what revival looks like. And the first thing that he tells us is, is that there is a fountain that is opened for sin and uncleanness. Imagine with me, if you would, it's a, it's a Saturday and, and uh, you've got a lot of yard work. It's in the summer and it's a hot day and, and uh, you've worked and you've sweated and you know it, it, just, it seems the more you sweat, the dirtier you get. It just The dirt is just attracted and you've, you've labored and you, and, and you get done with the, with the job and, and wow, you, you are a sight. You know what I'm talking about. And, and, and man, you don't want to go anywhere because you just look terrible and you probably smell terrible and you feel terrible. Now imagine with me that you have a wedding to go to that evening. And so you go into the house and, and you would take off your work clothes and then you'd put on your, your best suit or your best dress in order to go to the wedding. Something wrong with that picture, isn't there? 
I forgot something in the story. There's something you want to do in between changing out of your work clothes and, and, turn, uh, and putting on the wedding garments. You're going to want to take a shower or a bath or, or something. You're going to be wanting to take care of the dirt. And one of these days there's going to be a great wedding. And the Lord is going to call his bride home. And the Lord tells us that there's going to be a, uh, an inspection to see if we have the wedding garment on. But you know, it's a terrible thing to put on a wedding garment when you're dirty. It's a terrible thing to, in the sweat and the grime and the filth and working in the flower beds or whatever it is that you're doing. It would be a terrible thing to put on your, your, your nice suit or your nice dress. You first need to be cleansed. There needs to be a cleansing of the people. And before we can have revival, the first ingredient to a, to a real revival is the, there must be a cleansing of the people. There must be a cleansing of the people. It says there is a fountain opened for sin and uncleanness. Now I think these are, are interesting words, sin and uncleanness. Sin, I, uh, is, is, we know what sin is. Sin is when we have gone against the will of God. When we've set our will against God's will. When we said, this is what, what I'm going to do, and this is the way I'm going to live, and, and this is what I'm going to, this is, how, this is my life, and I know what's best for me. Sin's a, sin's a horrible thing. Sin's a horrible thing because it is the determination that, that the creation knows better than the creator what's best. But it's not only is this fountain open for sin, but it's open for uncleanness. The Hebrew word means to, to flee from, to get away from. In the Old Testament times, there were things that were not necessarily sin, but they made one unclean. Touching a dead body. Leprosy. A woman's cycle. And if you touch somebody who was unclean, you became unclean. And so someone who was unclean, a leper, would, would say, unclean, unclean. Not just so that the leprosy wouldn't spread, but as a warning. That if, if I were to touch you in my unclean state, that my impurity, my uncleanness would be transferred from me to you. Now we understand and we recognize that in our day we don't have uncleanness like that. But here's the uncleanness that needs to be cleansed. And that is our carnal nature. Our carnal nature is that which is in our fault. Just like it wasn't the leper's fault that he had leprosy. It, it isn't perhaps the person's fault that they touched a dead body. It, it, it is certainly not a woman's fault that, that it would be the time of, of woman who had come upon her. It's not her fault. The woman with the issue of blood was unclean, and, but it wasn't her fault. She'd done all that she could. She'd spent all that she had to rectify the situation. And with our carnal nature, it isn't our fault that we're born with the carnal nature. 
It was my fault for sin. I, I chose. I knew what was right. And I did wrong anyways. But it wasn't my fault that I had a carnal nature. I was born with it. It's a part of the fall. And yet I needed cleansed from it. I needed it gone. But folks, I want to tell you something. That it, it just wasn't putting on a new garment. It wasn't just, you know... It, it, the Calvinists would tell us that we just, we, just, we just take off the old and put on the new, but you always stay the same on the inside. Folks, that's not what you do when you're going to a wedding. You cleanse the, you cleanse the inward part so that it doesn't get on the clothes, it doesn't get on the outward. You know, there's a lot of people that... that that are, have all sorts of excuses for not plunging in to the fountain. Some say, you know, I've just sinned too much. I, I mean, I've, done just, I, I, I've gone too far. Can you imagine someone saying to you, maybe it's your son, I can imagine one of the boys maybe saying this, I'm too dirty to take a bath. Could you imagine? I, I mean, you'd look, take one look at that kid and maybe say, you're right, let's hose you down first, and then we'll take you in the house and give you a bath. But you're not going to tell your kid, you're right, you're, you're so filthy, you're so dirty, you've been playing in the muck and the mire all day long. You don't worry about taking a bath, you're too dirty to take a bath. No, you're going to cleanse them. You're going to say the water and the soap will be applied. You say, preacher, I don't know how, how, what, you don't know what you, I've done. It doesn't matter what you've done. There's a fountain that's opened for sin and uncleanness. So I've gone too far. I want you to know this, this fountain is open for sin and uncleanness. You say, but I've been in the fountain and I've gotten out and I've gotten dirty again. That's all right. This fountain is open for sin and uncleanness. Maybe someone else would say, well, you know what? I'm not as dirty as someone else is. Oh, Mom, why do I got to take a bath? I'm not, as ba I'm not as dirty as Billy is. Man, can you imagine? I, I mean, you, you know what you'd say? You'd say, I don't care what Billy's mom lets him do. I don't care how dirty mom, Billy's mom lets him get. You're getting in the bath. We can make all the excuses we want, and we can say, you know, I, uh, I'm, not as, I'm not as bad as my neighbor who doesn't go to church. I'm not as bad as, as the people in prison. I'm not the, as bad as that addict or that one or that one. Folks, it doesn't matter because we're not going to be compared on Judgment Day to another individual. We're going to be compared to Christ, and He is sinless. And so it's not going to matter. In that day that, that you lived better than me. It doesn't matter that you can point your finger at me and say that you're better than me. It's not going to matter that you can point to the prisons or, or point to, to the skid rows or, or wherever else you'd want to point and say, I'm better than them. The question is, are you better than Christ? And if you're not, I want you to know there's a fountain that's opened for sin and uncleanness. It won't make you better than Christ, but it'll make you clean like Christ. 
for his blood flows. This is the verse that inspired that great hymn. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. And sinners plunge beneath that flood, lose all their guilty stains. Praise God, it's all their guilty stains. And so when we have revival, there will be a cleansing of the people. People will be getting saved and people will be getting sanctified. But the second thing I notice is that, there, that there, the, there is a condemnation of the prophets. You see, when we have a, a real revival, sinners get uncomfortable with their sin. Do you know what happens when we don't have revival? Sinners get comfortable and I hate to say this, but the church gets comfortable with sin. We, we get so used to it. We're bumping shoulders all the time with people who are open and, and proudly profess their sin. Zechariah tells a, a story that's almost horrific for us to read, but, but a, a young man begins to falsely prophesy, claims he's from the Lord, but... He's a false prophet. And his own mom and dad grab him and say, you're, you're lying. You're not from God. And they thrust him through. They kill their own son because of the, of the false prophet that he is. And most of us read that and we cringe at that. I certainly wouldn't want to, to, do, uh, to have to slay my own child. But here's what Zechariah, here's what the Lord's trying to say, is that when revival happens, we won't tolerate sin. And we won't tolerate it even in our own children. And here's where we are as a nation. We've gotten to the place where we tolerate sin. We've, we're, to, we're comfortable with, with sin, uh, uh, being in the newspapers, with the astrology. And the false divinations. And it's just part of the paper. And, and you know, I hope, I hope that, that you don't glance at it just, just for kicks. Because it's, folks, it's, it's, demon, it's demon stuff. And we get real comfortable. And now we've got a denomination, a major denomination in our own country who's willing to split over whether or not they want to, to be comfortable with homosexuality or not. And they're willing to split over it. Something so vile and so perverse. And yet they're going to split over it. They've already made motions to that effect. That we will split over it. And, and folks, it's scary to me that there is a large enough segment of the church that says we are comfortable with sin. In fact, we're so comfortable with it, we want to make them our prophets. We want to put them in our pulpits. We want them to work, lead our worship. But even in our own circles, we can point our fingers at those denominations. We can, we can point our fingers at, at, at those other churches that are taking a lesser way, as some would say. But folks, what I have seen in our own circles is when it's our own children who are taking and doing sin, we start letting up. Things that we took a, a stand against. Lines that we drew in the sand. Things that we said wasn't going to be. Things that we weren't going to allow. And suddenly our children start doing it. 
And suddenly we don't see it quite as strongly as we used to see it. Divorce and remarriage is wrong until it's my son or my daughter that's getting divorced and remarried. Awful quiet. Dressing immodestly is wrong. They can't dress like that. But oh, now, uh, my, they're a teenager now. I live under my roof, dress how I say. Say, preacher, that's awful hard. If I'm paying for your, your roof and your bed, your heat, electric and hot water, you can show me enough consideration to dress the way I say. You live in your own house and you pay for all that stuff, you dress however you want. But in my house, we will serve the Lord. We're not going to put up with, with dressing certain ways. And there's certain music that's not going to be played in my home. I don't care that the other kids at the Bible school play, listen to that music. I want to be careful here. But in general, when family comes to visit, how easy is it for us to skip church? Because they don't go to church. I'm not saying there aren't times when maybe that's necessary. Maybe they're coming in. Maybe, there's, maybe you need to take them to the airport. I, listen, I'm not trying to judge. I'm just trying to bring to our attention how we can, it's family. It's family, and so we can, we can skip church this Sunday because family's in. I'm trying not to look at anyone. I'm not, I, listen, I'm not preaching at you this, this evening. I'm not. I'm trying to help us understand when we have revival, we won't tolerate sin even if it comes to our own children. We won't make excuses for it. We won't cover it up. We'll deal with it, and we'll deal with it drastically. Are you saying that if, that if your child came out as, as, as a homosexual, you'd, you'd disown him? No. Would I kill him? No. I'd love them and tell them they're always welcome in our house. But they had to understand that I was never going to condone it and I wouldn't show up to no wedding. Doesn't mean I don't love you. But I'm not going to let my love for you supersede what I know is wrong. When we have revival, we won't tolerate sin. We won't. We'll see sin, and it will make us sick. It'll turn our stomachs. But folks, we're getting comfortable. Our nation has been so long without revival, we don't even recognize that we're getting comfortable with it. Our eyes are adjusting to the darkness, and we don't even realize it's dark anymore. 
Oh, we point to others. We point to where it's darker. But folks, we're getting comfortable with it ourselves. And all the things that, that we can split and argue over. I'm, I, Lord, help us. Lord, help us to know when to take a stand and when we just need to sit down and shut up. Because there's some things that aren't sin, and we can call it that, but it doesn't make it so. There's some people, everything is a sin. Man, they see, a sin, they see sin where there is no sin. And we're going to have disagreements. There's going to be things that, that there's going to be rules in our, my house for modesty that maybe won't be in your house, and that's okay. And maybe there's rules in your house about certain music that can be listened to that, that, or can't be listened to that can be in our house. Our job isn't to go around and, uh, telling other people how to live. Our job is simply to know the truth and to stand by the truth. When re real revival happens, it changes the environment. The sinners aren't proud of it anymore. You know, we're in a day where sinners are so bold and so proud of it, they wear it like a badge of honor. But you know what Zechariah says revival looks like? He says that they're going to start lying about their occupations. The false prophets, they've been wearing the, the, the prophetic uh, hairy garments so that they could deceive people and say they came from the Lord. Suddenly they're going to take those off. They're going to throw them away. They're going to put on different clothes so nobody recognizes that they were a false prophet. They're going to be ashamed of what they were. And that people are going to see the, the scars in their hands. They're, in the, some of the idol worship, there would be scarring that would take place on their hands. And they're going to say, well, what, what are those scars? Those look like idol worship scars. There's marks on your body of sin. And they're going to say, oh no, I got that at a friend's house. We were fooling around. We, that we're, we weren't being serious. It's nothing to do with idols, I assure you. But you know why? Because sin isn't tolerated and it changes the environment. I was reading in the revival that happened in the Wales. That revival so broke out that the bars and, and the jails were empty. A reporter went to the police and, he, and they asked, he said, tell me, what do you do now that there's not any crime going on? They said, you know, we're forming quartets and going to different churches and singing because we don't have enough crime to keep us busy anymore. I read that the donkeys that worked in the mines, were having a hard time and, and the work was slowing down in the mines because the donkeys had to learn new words because the language of the miners changed. And so now the donkeys were confused. Oh, that God would give us revival like that. I saw on the, uh, on the news feed that... At one of our own fast food restaurants used a curse word in their ad. 
It's become so commonplace that even on regular daytime television, any, when kids are up and viewing it, even the commercials now are containing curse words. Words that were not fit for the mind during revival are fit for our regular daytime viewing. Folks, I'm talking about an environment changes when revival takes place. People don't feel comfortable with their sin anymore. They don't want to be bold and brazen about their sin. They want to put, out a, put a sign that says out of business on their sin business. Because they're not a proud of what they were doing. They're not a proud of, of the way they were living. They don't want anyone to know. And maybe they haven't gotten it, so their sin taken care of. But they certainly don't want you to know. There was a time when there were certain sins that were tried to be covered up. There was a shame that went with it. And do you know what's incredible is that the world talks about that shame as though it were a bad thing. Shame's a good thing because it changes behavior. Those false prophets quit false prophesying. They quit going around saying and lying in the name of the Lord. They quit doing it because there was a consequence and it was a shame. It was an embarrassment. And now... And now, boldly, boldly we proclaim it. There's a change that takes place. There's a change that takes place when revival comes. Zechariah tells us that where there's revival, Christ comes. The last... Three verses talks about the shepherd who comes and a sword smites him and the sheep are scattered. Talking about prophesying that our Lord would cru be crucified, that he would die for our sins. You know what's interesting here is that the Lord, using the words of Zacharias, calls... This Messiah, my fellow. There's no man who was worthy to be called God's fellow. No one was equal to God except for God himself. Zechariah paints a clear picture of Christ. One that sometimes I just shake my head and say, this, this scripture alone proves Jesus is Messiah. I don't understand why the Jewish people don't understand. And the sheep are scattered. Do you know what happens? When revival takes place, a third of the people go through trials and tribulations. They begin to be refined as silver. Now some are, say this has reference to the end time. Some re say this has reference to, to the destruction of Jerusalem in A.D. 70. But here's what I believe with all my heart. that When revival fires are kindled, there is a remnant of people who stay true. But after the fires burn down, you know what happens? About two-thirds need reviving again. Throughout history, you can find it. One generation saved. 
The next generation is kind of mediocre in their walk with God, and then the third generation just walks away. You see, revival doesn't last forever. You have to have another revival. You need another one. And when those fires burn down, you've got to have another one. And when those fires start dying down, you're going to have to have another revival. Why is that, preacher? Because we have a hard time remembering what God did for us this morning, let alone what God did for us a few years ago. We, we, we write our trials in stone, and we write our blessings in sand. It is easy for us to remember our struggles. It's easy for us to remember the, the battles, the trials, the reverses. But man, try to remember our blessings. We had a good time testifying tonight. I appreciated it. But man, sometimes it can be hard to think of what to testify. And you know, every time that happens to me, when I think about what, man, I, I think, Lord, give me a kick in the, in the pants. You've done so much for me, and I can't think of something. to. I, there shouldn't be a service I, I couldn't come up with something. It's hard for me to remember what God did for me this morning, let alone what he did for me years ago. Oh, I'm not talking about salvation and sanctification, but I'm talking about the daily blessings and, and, and the things that he just keeps us day by day. And we need re-fired up. We need the fire to fall again and again and again and again. I'm not talking about getting saved all over again. I'm not talking about getting sanctified all over again, unless you need to. But I'm talking about having a, a, a renewed vision of God and a renewed disgust for sin. Yeah. If our salvation meant so much to God that He was willing to send His Son to die for us, yeah. how much more so ought we to pay the price for revival? How much more so ought we to pay the price for revival? That God would help you and would help me to say, Oh God, I'm getting too comfortable with sin. It's getting too easy for me to overlook it in my neighbors and in my children and in myself. I'm getting too comfortable. And I believe if we'd pray that prayer, I believe the Lord would begin to hum a tune. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. And sinners plunge beneath that flow. Lose all their guilty stains. Lose all their guilty stains. Lose all. Their guilty stains. Let's stand together this evening. Amen. Thank God He's still in the business of giving us revival. Amen.
Brother Alex, dismiss us in prayer, please.